So, <clears throat> literary news. Uh, one of the science fiction cons that has a literary science fiction award every year just had the first colored lady win the award. The statue. Congratulations. Yeah. Yay. The statue is of Lovecraft's head. Oh, wait, I remember hearing about this. Oh and then it was like, So well. she was proud of it, she was excited about it, and then her friend showed her the poem of the nigger. And she promptly flipped her shit. You saw what just happened in Canada recently, right? No. So probably not because it happened in, in Quebec. But what is arguably Canada's like biggest director, and it's a French Canadian director, he's won awards. No, we're not, you can talk, it's fine. We're just chatting. I can't, I can't tell if it's actually podcasting or chatting. You might be at the outro, but it's um, essentially the same thing. So we we have this very famous uh, director. He made I can't remember the movie. It's called, he's it's it's one of those. He's big in Quebec, like huge, so big, big enough that there's statues. There's many streets named after him, and they name the French Canadian Literary Awards after him. Um, I believe he committed suicide in the late nineties, and just this year a book came out about him. Like an autobiography. Are they good? Um, and people have been coming forward with pedophilia accusations or accusations about him. Like, I'm good. Montreal, like Quebec, they're like trying to wipe him as fast as they can from existence now. Wow. Like renaming. They're debating: should we just take the statues down? Should we just rename the parks? What are the literary awards? But yeah, because even though it's not proven. There seems to be enough legit around. And, like, what can you do? The guy's dead. You can't exactly take him to trial or anything. Yeah. But it's like, can we really... Like, what was our big, iconic director figure is now someone who was into male pedophilia. <clears throat> so, yeah, it's very similar say, to the guess, racism. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, there's this giant debate that ended up going over it. And yeah. They've switched it over. My I whole just, thing is, is when I saw yeah, it... I think that's kind of hilarious. Like well, I was just, I was like, well, it's, he's a horror icon. Why is he, like, the stat, the award for yeah, the... <laughs> We're going to batter them. Well, up, he's also sure. widely known as a huge oh, I know. racist, misogynist, like everything under the sun. <laughs> I still like That is this, bad. <laughs> This was past the time when racism was acceptable, right? No, no, no. It's still the general thing, oh, but he took it? it thus further. Like, in one of his stories, the man owns a black cat called Nigger Man. Right. And it's just like, okay. And then... Um, so what are they going to do about it? Well, they've changed the award. It's no longer going to be... No longer I mean, that, that was poor foresight on their part. Oh, yeah. oh my God. But here, black lady, have Lovecraft's head. But the thing is, is they've had this award for how long? <laughs> on the other hand, you'd be like, we can put it on a, on a pike. But see, <laughs> like, it's the it's, racist is dead. The racist is dead. It's funny because it just sort of highlights their ignorance. Because really, yeah, no. they should have known. They 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 always knew. Well, it's like one of the the horror fact, awards is a Lovecraft statue, and I'm like, are they gonna change? Like, I admire Lovecraft as a writer. I don't admire him for being a racist. The, yeah, there's... People are... People are forgetting that there is a difference between being a well, fantastic like, artist versus being a horrible person. Well, it's like, what's his face? The homophobe. Uh, uh, Scott Card? 
or something. Oh, um, Orson Scott Card. Yes. Yeah. Andrew uh, King. Or Michael Jackson. I mean, if you want to parallel the whole pedophilia bit, like yeah. Michael Jackson's one of those gray areas because it's like. Wasn't that no. one of the ones where everyone was like, "Yeah, we already knew when he was still alive." And... But it was more of. And he, no one's giving was... out the Michael Jackson awards. He's just known as the maybe, king of pop still. I think maybe that's somewhere, it. but or is like, he the prince of pop. I can't remember. Quick, I, I don't know. I can't. What is Michael Jackson? Plus, wasn't he actually that acquitted? Black guy. Well, I don't know. Near maybe yet. so was uh, <laughs> so O.J. Was, Simpson. Yeah. And then they so was Cosby. Found, <laughs> then they apparently found the murder weapon. Um, but anyway, like that's not really my point on whether or not they were innocent, but they had a wide reputation for being pedophiles or sex offenders or <clears throat> huge bigoted racists like Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what happens when you're rich and famous. It's so. one, yes, it probably should. Or famous. One, it probably should color your opinion of them, and maybe you shouldn't have their face on your awards. So, so to bring this around. And this might get Yan really into the conversation, but currently there is a thing going on. Apparently, apparently J.K. Rowling is writing the next Harry Potter book, and in it, it takes place in America, and she's putting in a mythical right Native American okay. tribe that can do magic. Native magical Native American. Yes, and hmm. people are going ape shit over it. Because Good she's or bad. that, <laughs> yeah. that bad. Uh, Basically, she's being racist. <laughs> and I understand. Is she being racist? In she some ways. Tribe of black people. Congratulations. Yeah, if she made well, a magic. If they're a magical tribe that are black people, I don't see the. Well, no, because we're white. That's the whole argument. It's white person thinking. Yeah. But what about that as racist? Because your, your, your frame of mind is skewed. You're a white Towards male who will never understand what it's like to be persecuted as a native, what it's like to be persecuted as a black person, what it's like to have the last remaining bit of your culture turned into a mockery for some woman's story because she's white and British. And, and I think that's can. the point, is it's she's taking something that's already been trampled on and basically going, I'm creating I'm a tribe. The same thing. I'm going <coughs> to essentially do the same thing. I don't know, that sounds like a wide leap of logic. But... I can see both sides of the argument. We, because like, someone creates a race of Caucasians in the middle of nowhere, we don't care. But that's because we don't care. And well, I think no, that, and even if they did, what are we supposed to do about it? Yeah. But writing about a group of people that are a race that are not your own, Provided you aren't giving in to the usual racial stereotypes or uh, like racist undertones or anything like that, then what's the problem? I think it comes down to, um, oh, I had the point. So are we allowed to write about them? Yeah, like, am I not allowed to write well, about... Well, this, this is where it comes up where... Um, like, let's include every race ever, but no white people are allowed to write against... Well, it's, it's how much... Else. I think it's how much research you put into it versus <clears throat> how much finesse... I'm going to assume the book isn't even out yet, though. No, it's the one I think that's coming out. So yeah. they can suck it and Until wait it for the book out. to yeah. come out. Like, people are getting mad for no reason. Yes, and I do agree. One one state one response I read to it is: we have so many more problems in the world right now, and we're 
currently arguing yeah. about a book that hasn't even come out yet. Like North Korea is threatening nuclear arms, and you're worried about what fucking well. Once it comes out, book then comes out they can year. they can argue about it and whatnot. They can they can absolutely do that, but but if they argue now, it could be fixed. Um, unless before. I guess that's oh, it true. might be too late though. I don't know. I think like, it comes. I for me, I think it's because I think if it was like a pure fantasy, then. If you do like a pure fantasy and you stick, say, Arabs in it, and they're not, you know, and because it's 100% fantasy, then I think it's okay, depending on your per. But once you do something that's set in the here, supposed to be set in the here and now, I think that's when it starts drawing a lot of weird parallels. I just. I don't understand how it's not okay so long as the details are accurate. If the details are accurate, then that's good. Again, we won't like, know until the, the book comes the out. The issue is that we need to actually talk to somebody who isn't a white male to really have this discussion, I think. This is actually something where I'd love to like have Jacoby come and sit down on it. Or somebody like that. I'd love to have Jacoby, Jacoby on here. I know here. Local you... natives who would be happy to talk to you about it. Without Ooh. kicking your ass. Do they write? Um, I don't. Did you ever check out their panel I, at FC about would Jack be kick our ass? I'm confused. No, no, no. Just the whole native subject matter and just having a calm oh, mind. That. Yeah. And they'll be uh, quick to punch before they take a step back. Someone who was willing to have an intellectual conversation rather than a knee-jerk reaction. Yeah. Uh, whose panel? Uh, Jacoby, I thought, had one at, at FC usually every year about writing the other. It could be. I probably missed it. I think it comes down to, as writers, how much can we put into a fantasy-type fantasy scenario while still maintaining true to the material, source material and have it be complementary and not derogatory. That is being that we are I get, white males. I get so frustrated because it's getting to be that there is no, no character is good enough. For people like yeah. oh, this person isn't this minority or this disability or have like some sort of physical flaw or like some real life fucking disease that you well, know, they comes, somehow overcome diversity well, it kind of comes down to the whole trigger warning <clears throat> thing because if you start branching into other things you're starting yeah you're branching into the trigger warning section congratulations then, you want to read this shit write it yourself like i don't have to write your story for you there was last one to be like, I really didn't like your representation of Lestat because as a vampire I was insulted by the fact that they did not drink this well, kind of blood. Look at like the furry future where a main theme is, you know, Anthro's being persecuted by humans. And people were, it was noted in many reviews where it's like, okay, we get it. Yeah, look like, at how fucking hard. tired it is. At the same time, look at a bunch of uh, some of the gay eroticas. And I keep noticing this is that the amount of female characters is little to none. True. And they'll be like, well, I made a secondary character, and she's quite important. You're like, good, you got one. You know, if any. They got a few lines. That's great, but... Again, there's no obligation for the gay furry author to write about females as their main protagonist. They can. They absolutely can, but... Uh, like, it's, it's the same thing, though. Like... But um, it, by that same token, I would say write it yourself. And I know you do, so I won't say that, but same general premise. 
I can I can show like, like material that I've seen and that includes from like podcasts to books to even TV shows and comedian commentary about how other people look at this and it's very interesting how you know we don't see a lot of this because of who we are a lot of which a lot of the discrimination in that was there was one thing that was done for one of the guys in running in the states where he said his statement was it's like you'll never understand what it's like to be a black person living in the ghetto and it's fox news quoted that and then they were like here's the full quote which is like a paragraph's worth where he's just like i was down here doing this and this happened and this and you know this lady came up to me and she's like you will never understand what happens like the video that just got released about the guy who got assaulted by a group of police officers, basically chased down by a car and beaten, finally got released after he went to trial where they were like, oh, he was resisting arrest. And it's only after collecting like so much footage that they were like, no, clearly they have hunted him down. And then they went, okay, well, now we'll fire the police officers that did it. We'll never understand what it's like to be randomly attacked by police officers or well, even the discrimination that comes with... Plus, plus, usually when we hear something about, like, uh, a comment about, oh, this person was being racist to me or, or oh, I think my boss is, is treating me unfairly because I'm a woman, you know, our first reaction generally is, like, are you sure? We don't take them at their belief right off the bat because we're just like, nah, the world isn't like that. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't mm -hmm. go, like, yeah... It, and I've noticed this in myself. It's a lot of the times your knee-jerk reaction is like, really? Which is a horrible mentality looking forward at it, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's when, I, when I've realized that, I'm just like, I don't know what I can say anymore at this point because I don't know if I'm in the right or if I'm in the wrong or if I'm being a sexist pig or what, which is part of the problem because what what does make me that or I not? Just, I'm just as confused and I just want to help out, but no one can really tell you what to do to help out. But. See, what I, what I don't see as constructive is going, well, your opinion doesn't matter because you're white cis male scum. When we're really trying to be on their side, like, that's not constructive. But it comes, but yeah, no, and again, it's that whole, there's no real side to and it. And they even have discriminate, like, debates amongst themselves, like, well, that wasn't racist. No, it totally was racist. And you're like, you are two people who this racism could affect, and yet you can't even decide. But, like, we all know that there's the better goal that we should all be reaching for. We just don't know the best way to get there, or how we should be doing it, or what we're, what are our roles in it, it seems. I don't know. People are way too focused on pinpointing out individual people as opposed to the general overall mindset. Like, and, I don't know, I just, <clears throat> I don't... I think it's because everyone wants to feel better about themselves. That's generally where everything comes from. So you and everyone, if someone something's different, we immediately go, "Oh, that's terrible." I, I think people also want to feel persecuted yeah. to, to some extent. martyr syndrome, and like I, you know, absolutely in no way to invalidate actual sexism, racism, homophobia, transphobism, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But people are way too willing to put labels on something that is offensive to them. Yeah. I'm going to go find my vape. <laughs> I'm going to use the washroom. Good chat, everybody. Good chat. Good Take chat. time, chat. All right, okay. so now on to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Fangs and Fonts with your hosts, Roland. I'm Ocean. I'm Voice. And tonight we talk about balancing life with your writing endeavors. Um, this... And possibly racism. And possibly <laughs> racism. If we happen to put that part in, I we'll see. We should. To start the episode with it. <laughs> We've done it before. <laughs> We're like literally cuts in. It would be talking. it would be like ten minutes of just us talking and then the fangs and fonts. We did the, it. We there's we, a, there's, we I could also go We'll be right back as you listen to ten minutes of what we just talked about. Yeah. Then we come back and we're like eight seven six five four three. This has already been a fantastic episode for the last fifty five minutes. Uh so this week we're going to talk about a work-life balance when it comes to writing. Uh, the reason this came up is that, uh, I, don't know, I guess recently I've felt a little under the knife when it comes to most of my projects, and it's really quite difficult to figure out which ones, which projects that you're working on gain priorities. So we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight, and as mentioned previously, possibly racism. Yeah, we've, I think we've talked a little bit about this before, but sometimes it's always a good refresher or just recap. or And sometimes it's a reflection of how we're doing with it at the time. It's... Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's relatively relevant because I just had my science fiction horror anthology call for submissions end. And it was unlike Abandoned Places where I had a steady, steady stream of submissions throughout the entire time that it was open. This time... Um, mostly because I think everyone was really busy with either other projects or life. I've got a whole time at the very end and then got a whole bunch of requests for extensions where I gave one or two weeks and it was just enough for people to get their stories in. But I think real life kind of impacted their ability to finish their projects. Yeah, and unfortunately, as much as we'd like it to, uh, not everybody's life lines up the same, so... It, sometimes it prevents you from finishing that project you really want to get to. Or so, I think one of the the larger questions when when it comes to new writers and experienced writers alike is what how how do you balance the the work life trade off? How do you prevent yourself from becoming sidetracked, or what do you do when everything sort of crumbles around you and? You're trying to cling to what motivation you have left. Well, like I was talking to you the other day, I think one of the important things to do is prioritize. Or at least, not don't prioritize, yes. The first thing to do is to, or at least I like to do, is make a list of all the things you want to do, all the things you have to do, everything. I do this at work and I start to get really frustrated too. And I'm like, I've, I don't know what's going on anymore. As I'll stop for a second, write out a list of just everything I need to do. You know, this project, I need to do that. And it works for life, too. You know, i got to pay the bills. i got to take in the cans. i got to write this. i got to edit that. i got to do these emails. i got to clean this, take the car, and bravo. Whatever is on your to-do plate, it's great to write them out and just look and see everything out in the open. And then when you've got that, you can start to prioritize. You can use deadlines. You'd be like, okay, the bills have to be paid by Thursday, so we've got to make sure that's up there. 
Meanwhile, you know, well, maybe I don't need to clean this week, but I could leave it till next week. And you can arrange your things and you can tie different weights onto them. Like, I really want to get this done because when this is done, it frees up a lot of time. Or it's a great way of just finding out what you want to do, where your priorities lie, and then you can start tackling things on those lists. And when you told me to do that just last week, it's it's also helpful in the sense that it provides you a static quote-unquote menu of your projects you have this list that you refer to you can make notes on it like i just opened up an excel spreadsheet and made separate little tabs for each project Mm -hmm. so each one can have its own little space detailing what i've done what there is to do and how long i have to do it um obviously still very work in progress since punked hasn't come out but it is in progress and that's more than what was going on a couple months ago it also helps you make decisions later when you say something like, hey, would you like to start this new project? Or, hey, we're all going out for the weekend. You want to come? You can stop, look at the list, and go, uh, do I have time for that? Maybe not. Maybe I do. You know, things aren't too bad. Or, And it allows you to also notice sort of a list of dependencies that some of your projects may have on the other. <clears throat> like when it came to, to creating a list, it wasn't, punked that was the first thing to be completed it was housework it was cleaning the house doing laundry organizing maintaining a clean healthy work environment yeah sometimes just getting the peace of mind actually helps everything else yeah. well and having the list too especially if you're doing multiple creative projects sometimes it can be hard to figure out what creative project should go over which other ones because it all takes your creativity and obviously if you've just spent three hours doing art you're not going to want to sit down and do three hours of writing afterwards or even an hour so it allows you to look at and go okay which one do i have projects to do sooner or which ones can i shift around where are my priorities lay like right now i've got the anthology going on so i know for a fact that my writing is not going to be top game right now it's not going to be the top thing because the anthology takes precedence over that all the write meets are just going to be me reading slush pile but i'm okay with that other if I wasn't, I wouldn't have started the anthology again. Well, it's like, um, was it last year? I guess it would have been last year. Yeah, last year um, I knew that you know Inhuman Acts deadline was going to be, I believe, the end of February. Um, and so that gave me, I was like, okay, I know that once that happens, I will be doing nothing but slush pie reading and editing. So I should finish up these three writing projects before then so that I can send them off and then I'm ready to go. Which is one of the reasons I was kind of happy I wasn't writing as much as it was driving me crazy because the transition over to editing <laughs> is diff- difficult because I'm not con- I wasn't continually writing, but at the same point, I don't have any projects that are partially done that I need to set aside or finish. And uh, one of the other things that you mentioned that is very helpful in keeping you in the writing groove is the right meets. Yeah, you guys should come to the right meets. <clears throat> You know, we, we, we talk about, we talk about them a lot because they are invaluable to keeping us on track sometimes. Well, that yeah. goes to the thing that we've mentioned before with writing block, it's habits. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that goes with anything that's on your list. You're more likely to continue doing something that you are doing. If you put it off for a week, 
there's always a chance that you'll put it off for another week and then another week and then another week. Because why you need an asshole telling you why aren't you coming and booing you and giving you negative reinforcement every single time you miss a meet. I don't know if you realize just how ter- sometimes terrifying that is and how much influence you actually have and how many times we've sat there and gone, Ocean Senpai really, will be mad. We really need to do this. We can't go to the right meet, but if we tell them that we can't go to the right meet, Ocean is going to boo us and harass us over email. Which is why you keep waiting until the last day to tell us. Yeah. Exactly. You know, that just makes us angrier when you do that, Yeah, right? that just makes it makes We're us like, if they knew more. that, why didn't they tell us three days ago? Yes. Well, we weren't aware. But so if you if you if ever you do see know, you should tell us in advance. If you ever see Tarl's Twitter on a Tuesday saying, I can't go to right meet, please make sure to boo him and boo him hard. And if you look two weeks ago, you see you going <laughs> boo and then going, Oh wait, I'm gonna miss out and so I'm just going boo all of you. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I went boo T call and then left. <laughs> But sometimes that motivation can help if just keep you on track and to keep you doing stuff. Yeah, how many stories have we written and edited just because we've had these Tuesdays every every week where we're like, sit down, work, sit down, work. Well, even for the slush pile reading, it's mm-hmm. it's nice to know that I have this dedicated time that I'm going to sit down and I'm going to just sit and read stories. And there's no question about it. When yeah, you yeah. go there, that's your time to write. There's... That's your time to read. That's your time to do there's definitely a lot of writers that will be, you know, you have to read, you have to write every day. And for some that works, for some, they'll be like, some will set very small goals, like maybe I only have to write 50 words a day, and if I write more, that's good. But um, some it's, people, that doesn't work. Sometimes it's just too exhausting for people, and I flip-flop between the two mm-hmm. quite often. I, I, I don't think you need to write every day. If you can, that's great. But I think you should try to dedicate at least once a week, if not more, to working at it. It's something that you need to be at it as often as you can. You're getting that routine, like you said. Yeah. Um, even when life is terrible and there's so much else to do, even if you just have that one hour a week, and, and this can go like, you know, sometimes you can write every day in the week and sometimes everything is so busy and you just have that one hour, but just having that one hour means a lot more. Mm-hmm. Definitely. <clears throat> so our, our right meet is different because we just meet up and write. Most right meets, which, or at least most, hmm. most, I guess we're a writing group versus a critique group is what a lot of people seem to have. And I know we've debated about trying to get into that. Yeah. Uh, but I, I also think that we've come to... I think the the other thing we've we really agreed on in that regard is that if we were to create a critique group, so the 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 main critique group, yeah, the the main discussion point we had when when it came to having a critique group was that it would always be separate <clears throat> from our regular writing meets because the writing meets are to write, and then the write groups would be something that we we take somebody's story for that week or month, they, they probably wouldn't be nearly as frequent as our right meets mm-hmm. and review that story or critique it and have that kind of it. feedback. I, I, would, do it. I would love to do that. We, it also means we have to get back to writing. I mean, we all have to stop doing anthologies. <laughs> you're in the middle of one, you're starting one. You're, you're doing the slush pile and I'm just starting a second, so... 
Whoop, whoop. So that's not going to stop anytime soon. I'm like, I still got about six months before I have to start doing slush pile. I got to get everything done. Speaking of which, there's more items on my to-do list that involve that. Ah, so much to do. Anyways, yeah, that's what this podcast is about, right? <laughs> yeah, work-life balance. So, find the zen of your writing. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes there is no zen. I mean, you want to ask Ocean about what he did with the... Um, I need a Kleenex, though. Like, <laughs> consider how you even got through um, Inhuman Acts. It, it wasn't necessarily a work-life balance. It was more of a... Well, there let's, goes my summer. Yeah, let's <laughs> devolve ourselves into writing, writing and editing hell. About three months, two to three months, I think. I'll say two, maybe. Three. No, yeah, two. Two months of editing, pretty much. Whereas else. my main setbacks with with punk have been one extreme or the other: extreme unemployment or extreme employment, and. Neither are pleasant sometimes. <laughs> no. And plus you don't have that lovely commute to write on anymore. No, I miss that commute. I, I, I miss the C-Train ride from downtown to Memory Express. It was just one long C-Train ride. Couldn't you still take the C-Train technically if you wanted? Ugh. Um, <laughs> there's the answer. <laughs> well, okay, so I'd have to take this. I, I would have to bus or drive to the C-Train. It's easy to get from here. But Which, does, I thought um, Westbrook goes straight to Barlow. Uh, it goes straight to Whitehorn. Uh, right. Which and then, then I would have, have to go to, over a few blocks, right? Commute time from downtown to Memory Express was about half an hour. Yeah. That was walking to the C train, taking the C train, and then walking to Memory Express. Sorry. Um, more break. My commute time now is an hour and a half where I had to take the bus. Well, it's like I used to take the, I used to take the bus, and it was a hour uninterrupted just one bus now since we moved into our house it's one bus one train one bus or some variation thereof and it's just like as it tends to be in calgary yeah and it's just like okay well frick this when am i gonna sit down and write because i mean if the only the longest part i have is the final leg of the bus journey, but at that point, it's like, I can't sit down, so until we're halfway through it, what's the point? Yeah, like, the the wonderful thing about the C-Train was that there were no bumps. I was able to sit down and write in one uninterrupted span of time. And I don't have that anymore. Um, I am, like, I, I am... What's that phrase? Gnashing at the teeth? Yeah. yeah. Um, for self-driving cars. So that on my way to work, I can sit down, open my laptop, and write. And then I don't have to worry about it. Well, and that's one of the things that's been really kind of getting to me is... Um, like, I mean, I've been blaming my reason for not writing on my office isn't done. And then there came the realization one day where it was like, okay, well, my office isn't done. When will it be done? Uh, not anytime soon. But yet, there's the perfectly good kitchen table that's being cleared off and is just sitting there and I can sit and write at, should I choose. Why the hell am I not sitting at the kitchen table and writing? Well, and before you had the house, consider where we used to write. Exactly. Tim, Tim Hortons, Starbucks, uh, Higher Ground, the 
small kitchen table, which was always <laughs> full with stuff. Yeah. Like, we still managed to there do was, it. There was nothing that stopped us. When it came down to it, when we wanted to write, we would write. And I consider these days that as I try to be more frugal, as I try to spend less money, I do go out less. I spend a lot more time at home. And at home isn't where I feel most productive. Yeah. Um, well, the but, same goes for my house where it's I sit down and like because I, I get a day off during the week where literally I could be spending the entire time writing. And where we were at the apartment, I could do that. Whereas in my house, I when I'm at home, I'm looking around and going, oh crap, I need to do all this shit. But I can't just go out and write. Which is now has me thinking, well, maybe in the summer I'll just go to the lake and write on one of the picnic tables there. Because why not? See, it's that, not the like house. It. Yeah. <clears throat> or find out if the pub nearby is any good and go right there if I can afford it. By the same token, when when we were talking about prioritizing projects, cleaning the house was was one of them. And now that, like, I bought a dresser, got all of my room in order, got all of the living room in order, and now I can entertain the thought of training myself to write in the living room. Yeah, and that's that's all that is is. It's it's excuse on top of excuse as well, but once you've trained yourself to work in an environment as well, yeah. it's a lot easier to come. Well, back. it goes back to that. It becomes a part of your regular part, regular part of your routine. Yeah, you come from from work, you write, as opposed to you come home from work and then you flop on the couch. Yeah, it's a lot easier to justify it when you've forced yourself into that kind of a routine. Well, exactly, which is one of the things for. Yeah, and as she gets home and she starts doing like her clay work, which is, you know, is a priority. And it's just like, I'm amazed because I can't, for some reason, just mentally come home and just sit down and start writing. There's nothing stopping me, which is that kind of realization where it was like, well, I could in theory do this. Why am I effing not? Yeah, well, you my, know, my roommate has a, a similar amazement that I I come home or on the on the weekends I've been cleaning or organizing or doing doing some sort of project. I've I've made a point of each weekend I will perform a task on a project. Whether or not that's been my home servers, um cleaning, writing, something, anything. Yeah. And it, it doesn't even matter what it is at this point because I'm trying to train myself to do something productive over the weekend, not sleep for 16 hours like I did on Friday. Yeah. Well, no, that's exactly it. It's just like I could write... See, and this this comes back to the whole you have to make time, not find time. Mm -hmm. I sleep on my lunches at work. It's just... And it's gotten so habit-forming that on my days off, when 2 o'clock hits, my body goes into shutdown for an hour mode. And I could easily... No, not easily anymore, but if I wanted to, I could fight that and sit and write. And I mean, I know it will mean a lot of the whole hunched over the computer, half asleep or asleep the first few times I well, do it. Because, that habit. Yeah, because you're trying to break the habit. But that said, you've got I've got that hour to sit there and do that should I choose. And I've, 
it, I've sort of followed that same vein where on lunch hours, I may take the opportunity to walk across the street to, to Burger King, open up my laptop, and edit. It's weird as all hell to my coworkers. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, are, are you leaving? I'm like, no, I'm, I'm going here to write. Like... Yeah, it's one of my coworkers actually referred to it as my introverted Burger King lunches, because that that's exactly there's a weird stigma about going to lunch on your own. Like, and, and yeah. even, even I do it. I rib the coworkers that don't come to lunch with the team, even though they're under no obligation, aside from socially. Or. I'd, if if I drive anywhere, guaranteed is twenty minutes off my my lunch time. Yeah. So I really enjoy when I'm able to take that time off, walk across the street, order my food, sit down, and perform editing, well, writing, whatever. When my brother first had um, one of his jobs, he what he used to do is he used to get into his car, drive to a remote place, and sit and read Harry Potter on his lunch. And he was like, it was the most relaxing, enjoyable um, experience. And writing is very much the same, where you can sit there and it's very fulfilling to go on for lunch, write. And because you're doing that whole lucid dreaming thing while awake, it brings you completely out of your work state into a whole new state. So that when you get back to your work state, it's like, oh... I feel like I haven't been stuck here for X number of hours. Yeah, and it, it can be quite, like, I found it a little, I thought about it for a little bit uh, a couple weeks ago, that if I, I have a very strict work-life separation, I am home. I am not there to work, unless I'm working from home, but... When it's when that clock hits three thirty, I'm done. That's the end of my workday. And granted, if somebody calls me and needs help, then I can't really help that. But yeah. Um. But I am more than willing to take that hour of my lunch break and spend it writing, which is it's completely different mm -hmm. from working. It, it's almost like a nice refreshing break because it's using another part of my mind that hasn't been utilized. Yeah. And I mean, as we said, it goes back to prior priorities because my priority on lunchtime is usually sleeping. My priority when I'm on lunch is generally sleeping. So much so that if I have no food... I won't go out and get food. I will talk to my coworker, get her to get food at 11 so that when I have food or have eaten by the time 2 o'clock rolls around so that I can just go sleep. And it, it's become completely normal for me to come home, lay down on the couch, and go to sleep because I don't sleep enough at night. So, I mean, I could very well probably not come home to not reinforce those bad habits mm -hmm. and go somewhere and write. That would be a much more productive use of my time. Sometimes you need sleep or you need... Well, and that goes to one of the, one of the things I'm missing painfully so near where we live 
is a place where you can go sit down and write. As I said, we've got the pub that's nearby, and that's it. There's no easy place to sit there and go, okay, there's a, like when we were downtown, a Tim Hortons, or as far as we never wrote in the subway. Because that wouldn't have been a very good place to write. We just would have watched all the crazy crack max crap. Unless we wanted, um, I don't know, some real world examples of crackheads (laughs) to write about. (laughs) There wasn't much point in doing that. True. But, I mean, we had places where we could write. Go to Devonian, the Devonian Gardens and go right there. Whereas in now, especially like where I am, it takes over an hour to get anywhere by transit and go to your lake well that's we were just talking about that is when it warms up i can just go to the lake and that i think i'll probably start doing that just to reinforce hey i have a place to go i'm gonna write here because i'm not gonna ever write in my office i've come to that kind of realization i find that's like one of the best places for me but i think that's just i've gotten into that right yeah we were also talking to a point about a trained response to uh to certain places mm-hmm. like how I like I, I've cleaned all, all the places downstairs where I feel it's now maybe appropriate to start training myself to actually write instead of watch YouTube or sleep. Mm-hmm. So in in your office is is great for that. You've got your music. You've got your I can shut your the monitors. Door, yeah. yeah, you can shut the door. It's that, also where I do my work for my job. Yeah, so, so you've yeah. already got that mentality. Whereas, and I was saying like. With my office, like it's it's constant state of work. I think it's going to be one of the last things we finish on the house. But there's no reason why I can't sit down at the kitchen table and write, because I used to do that. We used to mm-hmm. do that in the apartment when the table was a mess. But there's no reason why I can't go to the lake or on Sundays go to the pub and just sit and write for an hour or two. So yeah. are you just getting? bored or not motivated or lazy or there's too many other things well i think it's too many other things have taken priority over writing e all of the above (laughs) so it's a case and i mean now my priority is doing the slush pile and doing the anthology Mm -hmm. which is actually top priority over everything else because i have a deadline i gave myself a very strict deadline a very harsh deadline and it's like okay i have to work towards this i can't just lollygag I mean, that was one of the things when Yan was setting up her workshop is for the claying. I said, you know, she's like, I don't know where things are going. I'm like, just set up what you need and start and rest will come. And sure enough, mm-hmm. as she's working, it's coming together as mm-hmm. an actual workplace. I think something about building that habit is more than just. It's it doesn't take as much effort as a lot of people think. Because if you so much as take that five minutes a day and start whatever you're doing, you can stop anytime after that. Give yourself about 10 minutes to, mm-hmm. to start doing something. 10 minutes, if you if you are done for the day, you're done. No, no repercussions, no nothing. If you want to continue, then you can continue. And a lot of the times, you will likely find yourself keeping on with what it was you started doing because once you've gotten into that mindset, there's there's nothing you know you've you've stopped making excuses. You've there's no more reason to why you're not doing this, you know, saying oh I have to change the cat litter, I have to clean the office, I have yeah. to 
vacuum the living room. Well, it's like doing yard work. You just go out there and go, okay, I'm going to rake the leaves. And once you rake the leaves, you'll probably realize that, hey, while I'm out here, I can do this, that, and the other. Or, as you said, you can just be like, okay, well, I did this. So how about those times where you sit for 10 minutes or half an hour, whatever you put, and you just stare at your screen and nothing gets done because you have no motivation or you're stuck or you don't know what to do or you're so busy with life, you just, you want to work on them. Well, kudos for you for sitting down in front of a computer for 10 minutes and actually having everything booted up. I think that's, that's a little bit of part of the exercise is that if you sat in front of your computer screen trying actively for 10 minutes... Well, congratulations, you're done. You, I mean, some, you've done some something. days are like that. You've wasted 10 minutes. But you can call it wasted, or you can call it a concerted effort for 10 minutes. Because you can sit there, you could just that not, was not sit a down success with your computer. It, it wasn't as successful as you would have liked. Yes. Because, I mean, otherwise you're just kind of glancing at your computer going, I should write. But I'm going to do this first. It, or I'm going to read, or nap, or... I mean, you, you can look at it as an abysmal failure... Or you can say, well, I will try again tomorrow. Or maybe you come back to it later. Who knows? I think the important thing is to try. Go for a walk. Do something energetic. That's one thing I haven't been doing recently, and I really should, is the whole walking exercise where it's like, I have an idea for a story. Especially if I've just read something inspirational. I don't... Usually when I used to do is go for a walk afterwards and then build on that idea. And that's usually how the story would be formed. I've now in the last week read probably six inspirational things, which is amazing. Have I done anything with them? No. I've stored two or three of them for later use. But I know by the point when I sit down and start trying to do something with them, it's going to have faded. So I'm going to have to go back and read what inspired me and then take the time to kind of think it all through. I think what you might have been getting at ocean is that if you if you're staring at a screen for 10 minutes with nothing you can't let's say you can't write a single word maybe you get up and you think about what inspires you or what your next quote-unquote big project is your your big writing project or something like it's well for for me example right now lately is I've been trying to put a story together and it's just really doesn't want to come or maybe it's just not my type of story or something's missing and I'm just missing a big chunk of motivation to write it. At the, so I still, like, that's what I've been writing at the last bright meets and I've been barely cracking like maybe 400 words after sitting for two two hours or more. And meanwhile, I'm looking at all the other things I want to do, like like I want to start... I'm starting to get things together for the Guild Anthology. And, you know, there's my office space, which, again, is my workspace, but it feels really cluttered, and there's a bunch of things I want to clean up and get tidied up. And um, I just, what did I, I've just finished finally reading Furry Future and wrote up a review for it the other day. And there's more books, like, what am I going to read next? And there's all these other things that I'm trying to figure out. And a lot of me, a lot of me, a lot of what I'm, Every time I'm sitting down and working on that story where I'm just like, why am I working on this story? It, it, like, and there's, there's also, like, you know, when you write your first draft and you're like, this is crap, this is crap, whatever, whatever, at least I'm writing. It feels a little different than like, really, why am I writing this? I don't seem to have that motivation I have for writing other stories for it. 
and I feel like I'm just pushing myself to do it for no good reason and I could be spending my time doing something else that still could be writing related but and and, I, and maybe maybe the solution is to do something else that is related to writing but not the act of writing um and one thing I see in a lot of artists that you know very very valid some well I see a lot of self-deprecation in artists, less so in writers, I've found. I find a lot of writers actually have quite a bit of... It's not self-respect, it's that other one that shows confidence. Self-confidence, thank you. Thank you, <laughs> thank you me. Um, it's a good thing you had self-confidence. <laughs> well, I, I find that a lot of... Tarle I wanted to thing. feel the handle. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she said. By the way, you I have just to want to grip the knobs with your hammer. I just want to grip well, the knobs. Why are you holding the hammer without safety goggles? The hammer is my penis. That is, your penis is not red. <laughs> At least I sure hope it isn't. Red rocket, red rocket. <laughs> um, what I've noticed is that I, I, I do believe a lot of writers tend to have a lot more self-confidence in themselves than I've typically seen in, the other, in artists yeah. and, and other such things. I'm not sure why that is. I think it's because it's our baby. Like, I think a lot of the furry artists... Um, I mean, obviously you have the poppy fur ones who... Like Jane Nyler and Wolfie Nell and all that. Who are just like, I print money. Basically doing anything. But you have the medium to lower grade... I think they just look at their stuff and they look at the stuff higher than them and they're just like, oh my god, like, or, or I, it, will I ever be this person? Why am I even doing this? Or is it because we have to be more confident because we are undervalued typically when it comes to... I think it's the instant gratification thing because visual artists have that instant gratification. If people like their work, they post art and art piece and they can have how many ever... Like, if you only had 10 views in a year that's pretty harsh especially on you know for affinity or whatever if you start comparing yourself i think if you still cut out the art and look at just specifically writing you'll still see that you see the the writers and so furry like and I, a lot of the published authors get jealous at them because it's like well look how many people are reading their stuff why am i writing for publication when i could just have a lot of people just give me check marks all the time like, uh, I, I used to play fetish roulette on for affinity all the time with my submissions and they would get anywhere from three to four thousand views at which... the same time um if you look at a lot of reviews for books you'll see a lot of the same people are mentioned like oh they wrote a good story in this one and they wrote a good story in that one and they wrote a good story in this one and you're like hmm, why aren't i wish I, my stories were getting commented that much but too you would think that we would have a lot less self-confidence for people who don't get as much yeah. gratification or praise but i think it could and be it's... the fact that we're not getting all the gratification and praise that and it's a longer process that it we could... we realize perhaps more than other artists that we have to work at it to get to those higher standards those higher points well the artists do too they when do you, when you start uh, out as an artist the it's artist not like everybody's works. flocking to your art going oh my goodness this is so great and you know, they're probably it's like such a well, saturated market too yeah anyway, it's more of an interesting reflection and a little off topic at this point true yeah 
Like we can go off topic. We, we, we absolutely can. Like self-confidence is definitely a part of this issue in your daily life. You need self, you need, you need to at least have some confidence in your own abilities. If you're going to continue, if you, if you have no confidence, then what are you doing? You know? And you have to believe that you're writing something that at least you'll enjoy, if not someone else. And then, well, I mean, there's always been that points where we've come to, where we've looked at our work and go, do I want to keep doing this? And confidence is a big part of continuing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, well, I mean, plenty of new writers will will give up because they either don't receive instant gratification, they don't see the value in themselves, and I, I have seen it, obviously. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not exempt. And sometimes people just don't see the value in cool. in keeping on what they're doing. Oh, yeah, the same with people that um, get rejected when they start writing, right, for publication. Yeah. Um, it's very hard to go like what what am i supposed to do like you know you don't get much feedback it just feels like everybody no one likes your work what what's what's going to drive you further when all you get is rejection i think a large amount of that depends on yourself how strong is your resolve to do this and while there is a definite benefit to having someone on your side and it, it is one of our responsibilities as editors, as authors, as people that have been in the game for at least a few years to not be um, unnecessarily mean or cruel or critical of new people coming into into the fandom and to the writing community because they are very impressionable. They are very unsure of themselves. Well... This goes to with working on my current anthology as opposed to when I was working on AP. Um, I'm looking now and I'm paying a lot of attention to the cover letters that I got in because there's a lot of familiar names and there's a lot more unfamiliar names. And a lot of them are first time or second time writers. And now I'm looking at it going, you know, okay, when I read these stories, I can see stuff that I was doing you know, right and wrong. And when the time comes to make the decision from acceptance to rejection, you know, and when I do the rejection, I don't think I'm going to end up doing the flat out rejection. You're not going to do boilerplate? I don't think so. I think, especially for a lot of the young new writers that are coming in, you know, it. I think it's a matter of presenting them and going, hey... You, what you produced is good. It's just blank. It's. I still find that's interesting that that's up for contention. That some people are like, no, boilerplate all the time because uh, if you do give them feedback, people, some people will react positively, like thank you, that means a lot. Other people will be like, I hate you. Um, I clearly, you clearly missed something. And then some people will get the well, you liked it, but you didn't take it, kind of, and they get depressed at it. So. The, the take I've always preferred in that regard is, one, writing personalized letters for everyone is, a lot. Yeah. is, is, a, is lot. a lot of work. On top of the monumental amount of work that goes into writing and, or putting together an anthology, to go, your story wasn't accepted, maybe give a couple reasons you know, based on what you've read or what your, your slush pile readers have read. Go, if you would like more information contact me you can either 
then respond to them yourself or direct them to one of the slush pile readers. Yeah. Which is no reason for you to put that much work into your, into your rejection letters. Yeah. When a kind worded rejection boilerplate template will do. Well, we had the one fellow during uh, abandoned places who asked about his and he was asking all the questions and I said, Hey, I can direct you to one of the slush pile readers who read your story and this is what he thought. And thankfully you handled it. Yeah, that was you sent them to me, didn't you? I did, yeah. And from the sounds, at least from where last time I had asked, you guys did a fairly good job talking to each other and straightening things out. And I think they came out with a better understanding of what happened. I don't remember hating him, so it must have gone well. <laughs> yeah, I, like I, I know myself. I like to hear like you know if you didn't like it, what would you like to see improve? You know. But I think the people that want, like the people that want to hear that kind of feedback, will reach out to you. So if you tell them, you know, just reach out to me if you want to hear anything else about why your story wasn't accepted, then they can do that. Mm-hmm. Like always, leave that door open. Mm-hmm. Especially in some the small community that we have in furry publishing. It's getting bigger. It is. Mm-hmm. Well, and is about to get even bigger. With, <laughs> with Zootopia having just come out. If you like Zootopia, read Inhuman X. <laughs> read Abandoned Places, even though it has nothing to do with Zootopia. Read Punked when it comes out. <laughs> That's also far <laughs> from... Oh. Uh. What are we at? We are at uh hour and 42 minutes, so minus the 55, so we're almost at an hour. So we could talk for maybe 10 minutes and so when's it a good time to take a break or should you ever well i would argue depending on who you are you definitely should at some points but at the same point i think watch it when you do take a break and understand your own personal flaws in that because if you end up doing a tarl and taking a break and then just not coming back then much, much be problematic. Much like the list of projects that you have to do, the deadlines that you have to do them. Your your break is a quote unquote project. It is your rechar- it is recharging your batteries. It is giving yourself room to breathe, but that too requires a deadline. You if you stop doing what you're doing and go, okay, on this day Two weeks from now, two months from now, I will return to this on this day. Well, and as we've mentioned previously, and one of my favorite quotes from Dead Robots is, when you stop doing something, the longer you leave it, the more it feels awkward. And writing is just the same. The longer you leave it, the more you're likely you're going to come back, sit down in front of your computer, and it's going to feel completely alien, rather than that familiar enjoyment that you got out of it and i i wouldn't ever recommend a break of more than two weeks yeah well, i uh, took a month it was good yeah and <laughs> no, i don't think most people can do that you have your a better work ethic your mileage may vary but i know that if i two two weeks is about my limit one month is yours it would seem all right uh, um, or maybe even longer i took the month after i did my furry future which was two years ago and then I took, I took about a few weeks after IA, and then I took a few this winter because my life was hell. But well, and that that was another sort of point I was thinking of was 
you can take multiple breaks. Mm -hmm. It will be more beneficial to you to take more smaller breaks than to take one big break. Agreed. Because it, it's sort of like a a fracture of, you know, your arm or something versus a full break. It's going to take a lot longer to heal. Though I should point out when I was on my breaks, I was still riding at right knees. And, and that I was could still even, doing something. You, you could even tone it down. Like, just don't take don't take a full break. Just do a lot less of it. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's the same kind of deal with working out. I've been out of the game since I broke my fingers. And guess what? It's really hard to get back into once you haven't done it for six months. Yeah. That's where mm -hmm. that, that whole, um, you know, like we do. We do our weekly thing. Um, and you should probably be writing outside of our weekly thing. You know, I like, I come downstairs and annoy you and go, and I'm going to write, you're welcome to come upstairs and sit and write with me. Yeah. Um, and I've generally cleaned instead, yeah. which I feel is somewhat justified, but I also feel guilty. No, see, like, that's part of really why I want to clean that half of the office there so I can have people come sit in there again. <laughs> and, I mean, just, it's... Or to put it's, snakes. again, a matter of prioritizing because I think about what do I need to complete so that I can start to work on punct. Punct is my end goal. Mm -hmm. And so I consider, you know, my server stuff can wait. My, we, like, weasel shots, the coffee cart can wait. Mm -hmm. What do I need to work to get to this end goal? And yeah. what, you, what you can do after that is then start to apply a schedule to it. Yeah. You can go, okay, what do I need to get done? Do I need to edit these three stories? Okay, so these three stories need to be done. When do I want them done by? By two weeks from now? Okay, so that gives me, you know, four days for each and then a few extra days, give or take, if I need it. Like, people have also asked me before, like, how do you... How do you schedule how you're going to write a story and get it done by the deadline? And they'll be like, okay, well... If the deadline is this date, um, I just go backwards. I go, okay, then I want probably a week or more for editing. Or I want, say, five days for myself for editing. I want to have beta reads back by them. I want to give them a week. So that gives me, you know, a week plus five days, which means I need to have my... I want to do first edits before I send it back to them. So maybe that's another five days, which gives me... I want to have it done by this date, which gives me this much time, which... Say that's three weeks to write a story, and we'll assume it's 6,000 words. So then we divide those 6,000 words by three weeks or whatever days, 21 days. <laughs> are, are you having really? difficulty speaking? Because I'm not. I'm having a <laughs> terrible time speaking. Breathe, Ocean, breathe. So, articulate, yeah. Roland, articulate. So say 20 days to write 6,000 words, which boils down to 300 words a day, right? If my math is correct. Um, so I would just use an Excel spreadsheet, but <laughs> uh, but anyways, yeah. So you could go like, okay, I need 300 words a day, and then you know that well. If I write every second day, then that's 600 words every session that I sit down, and you can you know judge yourself on that, right? Actually, one thing I want to bring up that we haven't really talked about because it's, it's goals, not because that's where I want to go. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> it, it's it's not really all that obvious, but. Having a work-life balance includes going to work. Oh yeah, sometimes like <laughs> not only sometimes. Well, it, it like it's obviously going not going to work for somebody who writes full time, but when well, it comes when it comes to my own work ethic, it is almost direct. It, it is like ninety-eight percent of the time directly related to 
what I'm doing at work, my work ethic at work or when I'm working. That's how I create my schedule. That's how I create my, like, that's how I get a lot of my motivation is having this feeling of self-worth that comes from having a job and bringing in money. And I feel like that's at times another important part of maintaining a work-life balance is actually going to work and then having a life outside of that. Uh, but you were going to talk about goals, Ocean. Yeah, that was what actually what I wanted to go towards as well, is um, setting goals. Um, I was wondering if there's a good way to tie it into what I was just talking about. but um, Based on the, the word counts and all that that you had? Well, okay, so the way we've been looking at it is, you know, make a list of everything you have to do. Prioritize that list. Um, and these are just basic time management skills this isn't anything specific to writing this works in all aspects of your life and there are other methods of doing this so if this doesn't work for you go out and research more um and then so once you once you know what you want and you you've prioritized you can then schedule it and then try to put that into your life um so we've been working down smaller but at the same time let's reverse it and go back and talk about what what drives you to pick those priorities on your list how do you how do you decide what do you want to do with your life? What do you want to do with your writing? Why are you writing? And like these are very important things that you should be thinking about. Like why are you doing what you do? And and so it comes to setting goals. So why are we here doing this podcast? Well, I think a lot of what drives people towards certain goals is one, like your personal um your personal goals and uh, aspirations. <clears throat> Who's depending on you for some of those goals? You know, in in terms of the the anthologies, you know, all of your authors are depending on you to finish that book. Your publisher is depending on you. Your friends will chide you and ridicule you until you are finished. Um, there's a lot of factors that come in when you're trying to complete these goals. Um, basic time management is essential, obviously. Mm -hmm. Not as obvious as you might think, though, because some people will just say, well, myself, for example, will say, oh, let's just do this right now. We'll do this, and then we'll worry about the rest later. <laughs> sometimes that works. Sometimes, sometimes flying sometimes by the seat of your works. pants is just fine. It did not work in this case. So time for plan B when I think of it. Um, well, but... It if you can take it outside of writing, go, okay, well, what's a what's a goal you would want to have? Well, one day I would like to own a house. Okay. Well, um, what is the where would you like to live? What are some prices of houses? Say $400,000 is what you're looking for a house. And I'm sure that people in America are laughing at us because of how cheap their houses are. But yeah, Seattle's say, getting pretty close to us. That's true. Um, but, yeah, okay, so say that's your goal. I want to have enough to buy a $400,000 house. Well, what's what's the down payment going to be? Okay, well... Uh, 10% would be 40,000, 5% would be 20. If I want to do avoid insurance, that I need 80. Either then, way, I'm going to need that money. How am I going to get that money? And then you go down and you work your way smaller and going, okay, I need to save this much per month, put it into a way, and I will have my goal in five years or whatever. And uh, then sob because you will probably never make that much money on a writer's salary. <laughs> at, at the same time with writing, you're like, okay, I want to write a novel. Okay. 
um, that's a great good job. Like, you know, then what are you going to need to do it? Well, I'm going to need a story. I'm going to need to write it. I'm going to need to edit it. I'm going to need to market it. I'm going to find out how to publish it. Do I want to go traditional? Do I want to go self-pub? Yeah. But sometimes completing that goal is just finishing the book. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be this, this grand web of um, well, there's always aggression. there's always sub goals within your goals. Yeah, like take I want to be published. Okay, well the first thing to do is you have to write a story. You know, like um, it, it sounds like a it sounds like a self help book to be like, okay, so you've written your novel. Now what? But and now it tells you to be your own pro, your own producer, your own publisher. But how often have we had those one on one one on one panels where they're like, I have been writing quotation marks my novel for the last two years. Um, I'm stuck on the first chapter and uh, where the prince meets the princess. What do I do here? And it's like, and honey, sweetie, <laughs> if you're, if it's two years and you haven't finished the first chapter, it's time to shit or get off the pot. But what I'm trying to get to is it's okay if you achieve those goals, but you need to make new goals or yes. review an important part of making goals and progressing through life. One of the more important tools you can have is a self-evaluation tool. Is like every year or every few months or just when you just, "Mm, let's think about life. Sit down, go, what were my goals a while ago? How has that changed? How have I improved to them? At the same time, you know, how have my skills improved? Have uh, I been trying to lose weight? How has that gone? Do I need to change my routine? Is it doing well? And... Having having friends to share these goals with you is also another great motivator because we compare ourselves to each other all the time. Tarl looks to Ocean goes, wow, you've written a lot this year, which is a reflection on himself going, I should write more. So that's a, that's a new goal. I'm going to, say, write five more stories. Or I I'm looking the at the both. I'm looking at the. <laughs> at least you have a house. <laughs> I'm looking at the both of you going Man. and the lake. You don't have a lake. I'm looking at the both of you going. Man, I'd really like to finish an anthology. Man, so I, that's my goal. Man, I really hope Voice doesn't finish his anthology, second anthology before I'm done my first. Like it when doesn't this, even when matter this, at this point. When we started the podcast, uh, or even go back a few months before that. When we started our right group, or well, when I joined the right group, or whatever you want to call the evolution of the right group, like when I started, it was like, okay, my right I, group just used to be me and Tarl. Exactly. That's why I'm like, I don't know where you want to pinpoint the right group at. A but natural evolution of things. When I joined the right group, and it was like, oh, you guys are publishing stories. Okay, I would like to publish a story, and so I worked on one story for Punked. <laughs> Sorry, and then what's the <laughs> podcast <laughs> over, folks? <laughs> after the com- uh, after the laughter fades, after I did that, I was like, "Well, then, okay." So I've written a story. What else? And you guys were all busy writing for Pulp, and I was like, "Okay, I like Pulp. I'll try to write a story for Pulp." And I did, and then we started the podcast, and then my story for Pulp was accepted. Um. And I will read that later. Yep. Mark. So it was like, yay, I'm going to be published. That's great. That's a woohoo. Yeah, great, a goal great accomplished, goal. you know, achievement unlocked, whatever. And then it was like, well, okay, I'll write some more stories and what. And eventually it was like, okay, I'm, I've am i published a story or two. Now what? And you guys were doing um, your anthology. So I'm like, that sounds cool. I would like to do an anthology. And then 
it happened and then it started and I went through the process and well look at that it's done go nominate it for an Ursa <laughs> go no- See, and nominate us for an Ursa where but, where are you? Sorry, go ahead. So yeah, we we've we've edited an anthology. It's getting decent reviews. People are buying it. Um, I have stories published. So what? It's kind of like well, what next? Like I can continue on this path of getting short stories published and running anthologies. That could be happy. Or do I want to set a new goal? Like you know, I don't know. Do I want to one day have a collection of my own stories? Do I want to write a novel? Do do I want to work on getting paid for this? And if I do want to make it more of a career, what are the steps to get there? And I'm still trying to figure this out, which is kind of one of the reasons I want to bring it up. But well, and, and my, my goals have been, like, you know, started out very much like yours. It's, I want to write more. I used to write all the time when I was a kid. Okay, well, there are these publishing things that exist. Okay, let's let's submit to one of those. Oh, I got rejected. Oh, I got accepted. Cool. Um, then it was... I want to submit to more of these. I want to put together an anthology. And then I'm like, you know what? Looking back at all of the short stories I've written, I'm like, I've easily written one to two to three novels worth of, of stories. I want to write a novel now, and I want to publish that. So that's my next goal after writing the anthology, whereas you guys have chosen to go and write more anthologies, and you are fucking crazy. Well, actually, that's I'm, one of the projects I'm debating this year is writing a novel or a novella. Well, and that's the <laughs> thing with me, is after I do the science fiction horror, I have the stupid erotic anthology in my head that's not going to leave me alone until it's done, but that one, due to this thing, I can give it a year and say, hey, okay, call goes out for a year, give me stuff. <laughs> but I've also been looking at it going, yeah, as you said, look at how much I've written. I've easily written a few novels worth. Well, there's no reason why I can't just put my friggin' butt in the chair and actually work my ass off and actually do a novel. I have four or five friggin' full novel ideas that have been sitting there and sitting there and sitting there, and it's like, it's maybe about time I do something about it. Well, you tried like, to write that one for, was it Nano last year? Um, or the year before, I've I, the nano the li- recent most recent nanos that I've done. I've kind of half assed. I've completed three nanos. Mm-hmm. I have quote unquote completed. You, you've written the fifty thousand words. Yeah. Nanos next month. But the it, thing is, I have slush pile. That do. does not That's line true. up That's well. <laughs> um, One of us has time to write. <laughs> <laughs> but in the end, it comes down to. Um, it's once I'm gonna once this anthology's done, which I'm still shooting for September. It's a case of okay, well, where are my priorities? Am I going to do this erotic anthology, or am I going to attempt to do a novel? If I'm going to do the novel, there are certain things that I have to put in place versus what I have to do for the anthology. Because I could put out the call right now, whether or not publisher or no publisher, and go, here's the call, submit, and then we'll figure it out. Later. We'll figure it out later. But I don't know if I want to go from finishing an anthology immediately into another one. Well, at the same time, maybe you may just want to try to find a balance between editing and writing. Yeah. Because there's nothing that says that while you're editing, you can't write. That's true. Um, it's a delightful way to take a break sometimes. Yep. The The main problem I see with that personally is that until I've finished Punked, I... There's no way I can write guilt-free. It just can't be done at this point. 
Like I, I have uh, one of my one of my managers at work likes to use the saying that um, one of the the biggest things stopping you from having a great life is a good life, and that you reach this part where you're just kind of comfortable, and you have mm-hmm. what you need, so you don't really need to strive to push yourself further. So this is why I'm trying to look at what I'm doing and realize like where do I want to be. Because I'm in the happy little place. I'm doing publishing. You know, I'm happy. I'm doing things. But what am I really doing to push myself further and and try new things? Well, and that's one of the things that I had. We were at work, and I was talking with one of my coworkers. And we were talking about one of our coworkers just had their 30th anniversary at the company. And she's like, oh, and we're she's one year older than I am at the company. So she's been there 10 years. I've been there nine years. And she's just like, oh, man. I was about to say, what, she's one year older than you, and she's been there 30 years? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) She's like, can you imagine what it would be like to have been here for 30 years? I mean, another 20 years. And I'm sitting there, and I look at her, because she's kept her age secret from everyone except for one person, which she accidentally showed her driver's license to. So I know that in 20 years, she's going to be in, like, her 80s, 90s. So I'm pretty sure she'll be dead or not at the company. But I looked at it and go, 20 more years at this company, and just thought, okay, I'll be, as I figure out how old I am, I will be be 58. And it's just like, it's a terrifying prospect where I was like, wait a minute. But at the same point, as long as I keep getting certain things, I'm okay with it. I, what I didn't do was consider where the rest of my life would be and things like my personal goals, which are more important to me than work goals, where they would be and what am I trying to do there? Mm-hmm. Because work, it doesn't give me a sense of satisfaction. I mean, it does, but not the same satisfaction as publishing a book or short story or anthology. Those are the things that give me the willy, the good willies. Those are the things that give me the red rockets and that I really want to do. It's, I consider what life would be like if I lived, worked for the same company in the next 20 years. Because, one, I've been there for a little over a year and a half now. And it doesn't feel like it's been that long. It feels like it's been a lot longer and there are plenty of people that have worked there for, for 20 to 30 years. And when I ask myself, do I want to still be working here in 20 years, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I feel like I would burn myself out if I stayed in the same position for 20 years. Well, that's what it came down to when I had my review, where it was the only time that I've ever been 100% honest with my employer. Because what do I have to lose? I, I go find another job. Yep. It might be worse. It might be better. I won't know unless that happens. And what really, and in the end, being honest with them was the best thing I could have done. Because I found out stuff that had me looking at it going, hey, maybe I do want to stay here for a bit longer. But anyway. Yep. So as we kind of overheard, um, we just found out today that we have been nominated for an Ursa Major. Yay. Yay. So, go vote. I was like, wait, what do we do that gets... No, Oh, right, right, right. 
this podcast. Yes, this podcast. <laughs> Fangs and Fonts has been nominated for an Ursa Major under the magazine category. Please vote for us. Please That'd vote for us. Cool. That would be super awesome. Please vote for Inhuman Acts, which has also been nominated. And abandoned places or whatever. Actually, it's <laughs> not even legible. Not even le- I, I already runner up last year. Yeah, I already did mine for last year. I forgot about that. <laughs> Congratulations, Tarl. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. We talked about the podcast. I love you, Tarl. <laughs> I love you. I love you, Roland. Anyway, vote for us. It would be greatly appreciated. Show your love for us because we never get emails or feedback. Or anything else. Well, we get plenty of tweets. That's true. When the feed isn't working. <laughs> what did you do to episode 62, Ocean? What? Nobody can download episode 62. It works now. Okay. Anyway, thank you for listening. Right. May you find that perfect balance between writing and your real life. And may, may you collect your goal. Collect your goals. Also, also consider that if your work life is truly destructive to your your work life balance, that there are worse things than working. For, there, there will always be better things than working for a shitty company. But any words of advice, Ocean? Figure out what you want to do in life, what you need to achieve that, and work towards it, and review your progress as you go along. Make sure that it is what you want to do as you continue to go. We change as people, so sometimes your goals change too. I actually say, think self-reflection is a huge thing. I don't think enough of us do it. Hell, yeah. I don't even think I do it. We need that. to do a lot of self-reflection and like self-critiquing in our in our art. You know, if if we're not looking at what we think is the best thing we've ever written. And not going, how can I improve on that? Or even just taking stories that did pretty good and going... You know, what could I do better? How how are you going to improve it? You, you know, you can't just well. I figured out this formula and crack one out each time. Yeah, sure at you the, could, at the but same do you time really you want can, to? Is that satisfying at that point? You you can look at stories that have been received well and go, well, what did I do correct about this? Well, this goes and, back. Sorry. No, go ahead. This goes back to. Why don't when you we guys were talking, sit back down? <laughs> this goes back to when we were talking about. Stop screwing the, with the audio. Sit back down. <laughs> this goes back to when we were talking. Oh, I can hear you now. <laughs> This goes back to when we were talking about the romance and the slice of life stuff, about the one romance writer that wrote the same formula for every single one of her stories and mm-hmm. has published hundreds of books and people still buy them and still spend thousands of dollars. Like, sure, that's awesome. You are rich. However, how I don't feel like that would be very that? fulfilling, no. Like, you, you say that now until you get all that money. <laughs> I, I would be able to dab my tears with the, the $100 bills I was making, but... Well, look at look at J.K. Rowling. She wrote her Harry Potter series. Then she went into other fiction. It didn't do as well. <clears throat> Literally just writing the hype of Harry Potter. What's she doing now? She's writing Harry Potter. I, I feel kind of bad for her in that regard. So do I. To To be pigeonholed into such a thing. And it's... It, you know, definitely not just Harry Potter's. Like, um, I was listening to something on on YouTube just today, and it was these guys were talking about um, people that go off to create different bands, or like say bands that come up with new music, and the bands are practically booing them, yeah. saying, you know, bring back the old stuff that we loved before, and I mean, really, like people, people improve they 
evolve and they just don't want to do that stuff anymore sometimes and it's it's hard for people to realize that when all of all they're they're looking for that little bit of nostalgia you so you have people like jk rowling going back and read like what is she even doing with she's revisiting harry potter but it's like like, but like what is nine years later or something down the road i'm pretty sure she wanted she could keep writing not harry potter stuff she could write. And she'd a still different... do fine, uh, and maybe the first one was not what everybody expected. But that doesn't mean she'd find some other market. Um, completely off topic. Um, I was actually read an article and I posted it to my Facebook page where they're talking about the prejudice for Dean Koontz being the second-rated Stephen King, hmm. and why is this? Because he's as prolific as King. Koontz has some amazing pieces out there. And, I mean, he has as many successes as King has successes and as many flops as King has flops. The only difference is King has a lot more better movies. Well, it it seems like his only crime was coming in second. Yeah. But the thing, but Kuntz headed the the, uh, Horror Writers Association for a number of years. Like, he's gone out and done other things that King never did. And it's just, like... But how frustrating is it is that you will be always pigeonholed as second best. Or Stephen King the second. Yeah. Like, and yeah, that's got to be so frustrating. Well, let us know what you think. Do you have an opinion? Please send us a tweet, an email, something. Send us an email at podcast at fangs and fangs and fonts at gmail.com or at fangs and fonts. Also facebook.com slash fangs and fonts. And fangsandfonts.com. Yes. So, that would be it. Now go right. Have a wonderful evening, everyone, and be sure to maintain that work-life balance zen. Find that zen. Om. Om. Ocean didn't join in there. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good night, everyone.